Welcome to the Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Brick Business Show, where we get to talk shop about Lego, building a business around Lego. And when I started this podcast, I always wanted to talk to people in different business models, different walks of life when it comes to Lego. And we obviously talk to a lot of BrickLink sellers. We talk to a lot of Lego investors and sealed sets um, sellers. But today I want to talk to a Lego auctioneer. And I'm joined by Jory from Pew Pew Bricks. This is uh, one that I'm really looking forward to. Jory, thank you for being here. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Shane. Uh, absolute pleasure to be here. I'm super excited to uh, have a great conversation with you about all things Lego. Yeah, man, it's it's my favorite time of the week. Whenever I got to just talk shop with interesting uh, people about about this world that we're in, and you know, we connected on Instagram, and I checked out some of the things that you're doing, and you know, I'm I'm super fascinated myself. So I'm I'm sure that the audience is going to really enjoy this because you do some stuff that. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's an area, it's a whole different market. Firstly, the market of used Lego sets, mm -hmm. it's a whole different method of selling than what I do. It's, uh, you know, it's auctioning instead of just selling at the market price or whatever people will pay. And so I'm so interested to learn more about your business model and different things. But before we jump into that, um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and how we got to this point. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so where did Lego begin for you and, and how did it all start? So essentially what happened is like, you know, my parents, when I was growing up, they're always like, Jory, like, what job are you going to get? Like, do you want to do real estate? Do you want to do insurance? Do you want to do like the nine to five thing? And I was like, to be honest, no, I have no interest in any of that. I want to work for myself. So before I ever got started with Lego, right, I was always kind of a reseller. So I'd like go to yard sales and garage sales I'd buy whatever I can. I'd learn and understand the product, whether that be video games, toys, T-shirts, anything like that, right? And then I kind of focused uh, focused a little bit more towards video games. So back in like, I want to say like 2008, 2009, I was like buying video games, you know, NES, N64, all that kind of classic stuff that was fun. And uh, GameStop came along and decided that they were going to kind of penetrate that market. And when all those stores around GameStop started popping up, it kind of killed the market. So for me, I was like, oh my gosh, my business, like, what am I going to do? Um, like I said, I was like selling on eBay and stuff. So I bought a box of Lego at a yard sale, right? It's probably like a 30, 30 pound tub. They wanted $50. I said, you know what? I think I can sell this for hundred dollars. Let me start on eBay for a hundred dollar auction. It ended up going for around $350. And I, at the time had no idea what was in it. Um, now looking back and having the knowledge that I have, I realized it was like an, uh, uh, AT, uh, dropship with, um, walker there was like a gunship in there like all the classic clone war sets that like everyone their mother wants and i was like well i learned my lesson so from then on i kind of deep dived into going to lego full on i was like you know there's obviously some value in this stuff i really like the community around lego i think it's got like parents it's got young kids it's got adults you have like every type of person in the market there's no limitation on who can enjoy and love lego so from there, it just blew up beyond expectations and what I went to after that. Wow. I love that. And, you know, it's fascinating hearing that you came from a resale background and other mm -hmm. item categories. Um, you know, I asked this question to a lot of people that I talked to about, did you come from Lego fandom into Lego resale or did you come from resale of other items into Lego resale? So resale 
people come from Lego fandom. So you actually so kind I of come with it yourself. beforehand. And I always knew that like Lego was popular and I loved it as a kid. Obviously, I grew up, I'm, I'm 31. So I grew up in like the 80s, 90s with like the classic castle and pirate stuff. That has my heart as far as like the vintage stuff. It's what I primarily go after. Um, but you know what? Um, I, I had always loved Lego as a kid. I fell off because my mom ended up donating uh, my Lego as a kid to like family or like yard sales or whatever, right? <laughs> I always give her crap about it nowadays. But um, yeah, I mean, like I, I always sold stuff. Like when I was a little kid in elementary school, I actually at one point wanted to start a business as a little kid. So I would take like the uh, packs of brand new pencils and I realized that there was a, a niche at school where like kids would forget their school supplies. So I'd like get a pencil from at home and I'd bring it in and sell it for a dollar and I'd come home with like $5 at the end of the day. So I like kind of always had it in, but it wasn't until I really found my love of Lego that I, you know, really focused in on Lego after that. And you, and you figured out what was kind of your calling. You know, I love that. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the kind of thing that sounds a little cliche when you hear people who've built a business and they talk about how, you know, I was on, I was selling lemonade, you know, when I was 10. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, the thing is when I talk to people who actually did, do those kind of things when they were a child. They had this entrepreneurial spirit from a very young age. I'm always so fascinated by it because for me, it came a little bit later. When I was younger, I was just, you know, <laughs> I was out playing with my friends. I wasn't thinking about anything like making money. But when that's, in, in, you know, built into someone's DNA, it seems to me like it is a, like a superpower that really benefits you over time. Because, you know, would I be correct in saying that you just always knew that you wanted to be a business owner? You always knew that you wanted to so, do your own thing? Not really, right? Like, I always had that as part of my life, but it was never like, to be honest, I just never wanted to work. I never wanted to do anything. I was like, I just want to live my life on my terms, do what I want, and I'll figure it out as I go. And then it wasn't until I actually got blessed to work for Aflac for almost two years, and I met this guy named Derek Vickers, and Derek Vickers became a mentor for me where, like, we became very close and he started talking and like putting me on to people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Ooh. Grant Cardone and like people that were doing bigger things. And I think what happened was it was a mindset change. I think what happens is like everyone is essentially put into a box, right? And like you're told what you're supposed to do, what the proper way to do things are. And until someone comes along and changes that inside of you, you'll always kind of be stuck doing what you've always done. So I feel like it was really having like mentors in my life and having people that I could listen to and take advice from that helped me to kind of get to where I am now. Like, I can't say I was like, oh, I was born this way. Like I was born with the entrepreneur bug. Like I think those people are like snake oil salesmen when they say that. I think it really comes down to if you really want something in your life, you'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I fully agree. And that's the same kind of path that I went down, which is figuring out who out there inspires you. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Even if they're in a world that is not the same as yours, like if you wanted to be a Lego investor, a Lego seller, Lego yeah. auctioneer, um, that's still, you know, that may be very different than what Gary Vaynerchuk is doing or what Warren Buffett is doing, who's, you know, investing in stocks or what a lot of these people are, are you know, who are super successful, who may inspire you, may be doing but you can learn from them anyway. You can still be inspired. You can still, you know, decide that you want something more for yourself. Well, so, well, I, well, what was your background? Where did you come from before you got like fully invested into like Lego investing and doing like sealed stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been kind of like, I've been going down the investing path for a long time. So that was, 
uh, something that I started with before, like a good few years before discovering Lego investing was, was looking at stocks and real estate and that kind of stuff. And the big struggle for me with that was it's just not lucrative enough in the shorter term, right? It's the kind of thing that, yes, it will work. Yes. It will make you a multimillionaire if you give it 30, 40 years. Um, but I didn't want to wait that long. And then the more I looked into it, the more I started realizing that the, the most people who make money at a younger age are business owners. And so, I decided I wanted to start a business. Uh, you know, I moved to the U.S. from Ireland back in 2017. I very quickly decided I wanted to start a business because the U.S. is the best place to do it, right? And I saw the opportunity, and I started going down the path of resale, um, you know, internet e-commerce with comic books. So comic books was how oh, I first discovered cool. it. I started realizing that comic books is not so scalable because I had to kind of go out and try to source like one item, and I take me hours to find one item for my inventory. 100. Um, percent and then I stumbled into Lego just from searching for old sets that I loved when I was growing up. And me, actually the same sets you mentioned, the system sets, the tablet sets. Let me ask you something for the Lego, because I know a lot of people like pre a little bit before COVID really jumped on the Lego bandwagon. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things that happen is like COVID came around, a lot of people like lost their jobs and the, the economy changed and the world forever changed. And all these articles started coming out how like Lego is a better investment than like stocks, gold, bond, mutual funds. Like Forbes magazine put out an issue and stuff. Did mm -hmm. that have it? Were you around before that happened, or was that like an influence into you coming into the market? I was before that. I mean, so I think there was one of those Lego goes up in value more than gold articles before me, like years ago. But I think it was just one publisher that had it. Yeah. And um, so I joined, I got into the market around 2017. And oh, it was around right. 2020 that, you know, I think we saw a lot of those articles. And last year as well, we saw a lot more of them. Uh, so I've, I've seen some of that as well, you know, in the increase in popularity from COVID and different things. Um, but yeah, for me, it was around 2017. Started with, uh, you know, searching for sets and realizing that they had doubled, tripled in price and then just the, and the scalability of it and how the it quickly eclipsed what I could do with comic books, uh, you know, because of the predictability of retirement schedules and then the scalability of being able to buy multiples and different things like that. So that was kind of my journey. That's um, awesome. Something you said, I really want to kind of learn a little more about, which is, you know, that you came from video games and different kind of, yeah. you know, areas, it's different areas of resale. And I think a lot of Lego sellers and um, whether you're investing or you're a Bricklink seller, a lot of, of people course. are interested in doing other avenues of e-commerce as well, because they can have compliments, you know, they can compliment each other. And uh, it sounds like you were a bit of an all-rounder, you know, before mm -hmm. you decided to really niche down on Lego oh, yeah. as your item category. So what was that transition like for you? Was it that you, you know, was it that maybe do it, selling all sorts of different item categories was, uh, you know, didn't give you the ability to re-specialize or get knowledgeable in certain areas or was video games at the time just not as lucrative because of GameStop and different things? Why did you transition yeah. and what was that transition like? So the transition sucked. I'll be completely honest with you. When you're going from something that you're super well-versed into and something that you have no idea in, one, you're going to lose money a lot when you first start. You're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. But I also had like a lot of fun with it too, right? Like when you're doing the same thing for so long, you see the same people. Uh, it's never it's never different. It's never new. Um, so it was really interesting, right? Like one of the craziest things that happened to me was like when someone introduced me to BrickLink and I was like, oh my God, someone made a website where like every piece ever is on there and I have like free access and information to it. Like let's go. Because for me, I love to deep dive in stuff. Like the reason I love doing like use collections and other stuff in my business for auctioning is because like 
I've trained myself to where I can go on like Facebook Marketplace, for example, look at a box of bulk Lego, recognize two or three pieces from a set that I've built because I've built thousands of sets and sold them and know, oh my God, okay, they have this and this set. Like a good example was I bought a 20 pound box maybe like six months ago. I don't know if you know the set Dark Forestman's Fortress. Mm, it has like so. the old Forestman, old, old Forestman in it. And I saw the base plate. It's one of those raised base plates from like the uh, 80s, 90s. And it was the green one. And I know that that base plate only goes that set. The person had the whole box for $25. The entire set was in there. That set alone sells for $560. Amazing. So it's like, I mean, you your success in this business, in my opinion, is your ability and um to be able to research and have a knowledge base of everything like yeah. so many people are like i only want to do star wars i only want to do ninjago and it's like you're sitting and missing so many opportunities for what you don't know i i love that perspective you know that actually reminded me so one of these you know we talked about gurus that you could watch online gary vaynerchuk and different mm -hmm. things there's one of these guys that you know I, I pay attention to and he had a quote that I, I loved basically he called it a Rembrandt in the attic, right? For anyone who's not aware, mm -hmm. Rembrandt was a painter. He yeah. talked about how if you're going to go buy a house and you know, you're the, the house is listed for $300,000, but you are, uh, you know, a professional or an art history buff and you know, everything about art, art history, you're touring the house with the auctioneer, you go to the attic and there's an original Rembrandt painting up there, right? You would offer, you know, immediately $500,000 for that house. You know, because you know the paintings worth twenty million or whatever. I don't yeah. know anything about how much they're worth. Stupid, but, stupid amount of money. Yeah, but you have identified something in the attic that everybody else who's touring the house that day does not understand because they don't have the knowledge of art history that you have. And so you now the value of this house to you is a whole lot more than the value of the house to everybody else because mm -hmm. you know something that they don't know. That's exactly what you're saying there, which is the value of a tub of used Lego is it can be a whole lot more if you have a little bit of knowledge and you know this is the same in all walks of business of course it's also the same in all different business models with lego um with lego investing some themes will be bet will be more um valuable to someone who understands them and uh knows what to look for but with used lego i can see that being a huge deal right because the thing with used lego is that most people don't realize the value that they're sitting on if Correct. you understand that value, then, you know, the, I guess, you know, that's where the opportunity really comes in. I mean, like, like, for example, I see on your back shelf, right? Is that the uh, Parisian restaurant sitting back there? Uh-huh. Yep. So look, ironically, right here, I have the Parisian restaurant <laughs> oh, I nice. just bought from somebody. So uh -huh. I got that and the tree house behind me in a local deal for $140 for both. He yeah. was asking, uh, what was it, like 90 Eighty dollars for the grand for the Parisian restaurant, and then sixty dollars for yeah, it was like sixty seventy dollars for the treehouse. I know the treehouse is an easy one hundred and twenty five dollars. I know the Parisian's like a two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollar use set. So it's like you know, all you do is like, hey, I have the cash. I'm gonna come meet up with you. It's it's really yeah. simple to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I want to dig pretty deep into your, you know, the way that that all works and your auction mm -hmm. business and different things. Before we jump in there, um, you know, I guess to close out on your kind of your journey into Lego, right? So you yeah. were back, it was it was around 20, 2010 or so? That you yeah, so it was like 2010. And then I was doing Lego, like I was live, I was like kind of going to college, but like not really going to college. Like I was going to college, but not successfully. And then essentially what happened after is I started a business out of my house where I was literally buying other people's yard sale stuff and then selling it out of my house at a yard sale. 
And I do like really good money doing that because I knew the things that people were on. Because one of the things that really helped me actually is here's a good tip for people in every area of the country that you live in. I'm in Orlando, Florida. There are things called or, uh, online yard sale pages where it's basically a bunch of people in specific areas of where you live that post their stuff and you get so many good things um, listed. And so that is one of the ways that I like kind of learn the value in things is like I would watch what people post. I would go to the comment sections and I would read about what they had. And then I'd be like, oh, my gosh, there's a ton of people that are interested in this. I'm going to add it to my list. When I see it, I'm going to try to pick this up myself. And then that grew into uh, me opening a flea market booth in like 2017, 2018. And I became known as the Lego guy here. And like I made a ton of connections from it. Then from that, I migrated to do conventions like Megacon. So in 2019, I did Megacon. It was my first convention ever. It was a 10 by 10 booth. It was $1,000 to put up for the booth space. And I was like, this is probably the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. But then like taking that risk just elevated what I'm doing now because then after that, you know, COVID came around and it shut down retail spaces. So I had to go online like you do e-commerce. And I just realized the power and the reach that you have by selling stuff online is significantly bigger than anything local. Because one, local, you have to like advertise, you have to get people's attention. What's going to distinguish you uh, selling the same stuff that you can go buy at Walmart or Target or the Lego store itself, you know? So that yeah. kind of was my mentality at the time was like, how can I elevate myself to the next level? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. What a journey, right? Because you, you know you've and you've kind of seen so many like there's multiple different business models in the world of selling Lego, whether mm -hmm. it's brick and mortar stores or flea markets or garage sales or the e-commerce world. But even in e-commerce, you could be selling used Lego or parts or new and sealed. And you've done so many of them in the space of the you know the ten, thirteen years or whatever since you've got into selling Lego. So I want to unpack. Uh, a handful of those. I want to learn more about, you know, your time selling at a convention or selling from a flea market. Well, sure. But let's let's take it right up until today. So 2020, we had COVID. We had, you started transitioning mm -hmm. to more to e-commerce. Uh, I believe you're selling on Whatnot. Is that right? So auctioning. So before, auction before Whatnot was a thing, I, so I saw, a, I don't know if you know who like Republic Bricks is or Maddie's minifigures yeah. or any of them. Yep. So I saw them around 2017, 2018 selling on Instagram. And I was like, wow, there's a really big market for auctioning. This looks really fun. But again, I was like, I don't want to hit the Instagram crowd because one, uh, I don't know that many people on Instagram. I don't have that big of a following, but I know Facebook really well. For like three to six months after COVID hit and my store was shut down, I started hitting up as many Lego Facebook groups as I could find. And I finally got an admin to say, yeah, we'll let you host a live auction. They didn't even know what it was. They were like, I didn't even know you could do this on a live video. And so we did it and it just gained traction overnight from the first one. People just had so much fun. They were like, oh my gosh, this is a really cool way to buy. Instead of just like posting it up, you get the interaction, you build a community around it. Yeah. So then I built a Facebook page of my own and ran that and built a following and like taught people how to auction, like a ton of the people that are on, um, that are on whatnot now, like I've taught them to auction through Facebook then Whatnot came around and just made the process so efficient with like automated payments and, uh, you know, combined shipping and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And like now Whatnot, in my opinion, is like the standard place outside of like an eBay or an Amazon to sell Lego on, especially if you're going to do any sort of live. Yeah, it's it's taken off. Now, for those who are not aware uh, of this 
whole other way to sell Lego because a lot of people would, when they think of auction, they think of, you know, an auction house selling real estate or selling property or a painting, or they think of an eBay auction. Uh, This idea of a video auction of, uh, you know, an e-commerce business owner or reseller, you know, with all of their inventory, they're available to be seen on video and then auctioning it off to people in a Facebook group or on what's uh, whatnot or Instagram uh, maybe new to some people. So can you just break it down how that usually, how, how it works in general? What is, what is the yeah. high level for those who may have never heard of a selling Lego on an auction? How does it really work? And what are some of the, I guess, uh, the pros and cons of it? So it's super, super simple for anybody that's done it. First off, you have to apply to become a seller on any of those platforms. Um, when they were first around, it was a very difficult process. Now they're extremely easy. Um, you go on there, you show them your inventory. The way it works is super simple, right? So say we're doing an auction right now. I'm going to say, hey, guys, I have this little chef minifigure right here. Um, you know, it's good condition. There's nothing wrong with him. You know, he's an older one, yada, yada. I came out, you know, like early 2000s. You know, starting bid will be a dollar. You're going to have a bunch of people in your live chat. They're going to be, you know, offering money on it. And then the highest bid at the end of it takes it. I mean, they've really made it so simple. And the benefit of it too is like when you're buying something from somebody online outside of sealed, like used, there's a lot of factors you don't know about. For example, when you're looking at a minifigure right here on the torso, there could be a crack. There could be heel cracks on it. When you're on a live video, I can show you every aspect of this figure and you can see exactly what you're getting. So the benefit is, is that you can see things in real time and it makes it super duper convenient because let's be honest, no one nowadays really has the attention span to really like want to sit there and zoom in on the pictures and check out all of the descriptions somebody has on stuff. Yeah. And there's an element of trust as well. You know, for some people buying online is, you know, something that they're not excited about because they don't know if they can trust the seller, especially on certain sites more than others. Yeah. Facebook Marketplace has some trust problems. eBay, even if they don't have a long history of feedback. So if you can video interact with a person on video showing you what they're going to give you, I think it might help with some of that as well. Plus, you can like cultivate a relationship with somebody like there's so many amazing people in the Lego community that I've had the opportunity and pleasure to meet throughout the years just because of me interacting and talking with people like we have like little games and stuff we do like there was one part during an auction. This is really dumb back on Facebook days, but I built a uh, outhouse out of Lego. Right. And then I would put a toilet in there and put a little piece of Lego poop from one of the CMF minifigures. And if somebody won the auction, they had the opportunity after to say poop or no poop. If there was poop in the Lego house and they got it correct, they get something for free from me that I'd add in their package. It was so dumb, but people literally like it became a cult thing where they would be like, oh, are we going to play poop or no poop tonight? Yeah. And like, you know, it's just it's little oddities like that that make it fun and interactive for people. Absolutely. And again, that builds the trust, that builds a relationship. It'll build repeat, uh, repeat buying. Absolutely. Um, people are going to be more inclined to, you know, to buy from you when they see that you are... Um, you know, taking it, uh, I guess, uh, with an element of, of fun and, you know, that you are someone who, who, pro- you know, you're even showing that you enjoy Lego, right? Which yeah. is something that a lot of people, they want to buy from people that they like and that they share similarities with. And that's the reason that a car salesman is going to talk to you about golfing, right? They're going to be like, hey, you can fit your golf clubs in the, in the back of this car. They'll well, try to relate to you in some way. And this naturally does some of that, right? With the auctioning, you're kind of relating to the Lego fans by talking more about the parts, by playing games and different things. And it feels like they're not just buying from a large corporation like Walmart. 
Well, it's like it's like I'm sure like you're obviously very business savvy. So like people will buy you for your story, not your product. They buy the person, never the product. So like if you create an environment in which they like to buy from you, you're going to have a lot of repeat customers. Like I'm sure with all the video content and the amazing information that you put out, Shane, it's probably helped your business tremendously in people's trust in you, in the sets that they're targeting and other stuff like that. So it's like once you build that, you can you can play around with it and do different things, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I think, um, you know, for those who who this is kind of triggering some ideas in your head, you're thinking, well, mm -hmm. like, you know, I could actually sell my Lego with an auction. And firstly, that is, a you know, an interesting perspective that I don't talk about often. That is a whole other way you could be selling your inventory. And um, there's a lot of, of benefits to it, of course. In terms of sourcing so yeah. you know you are selling used sets or used uh sets complete and un incomplete i presume and also right. parts and many so things everything if it's if it's any sort of lego product i will sell it so i love that question about sourcing because i get asked all the time right like i get these massive hauls people are like how do you how do you find this how do you get this i will tell people if you're looking for used stuff do not sleep on facebook marketplace First off, I'm in, I think, uh, eight to 900 different Lego Facebook groups. So I like see a lot of stuff all the time consistently. Um, but one of the things for Facebook Marketplace that I've actually kind of developed is like the difference between searching Lego and Legos with an S. And the reason I say that is someone that's going to put in Lego is most likely a collector, right? There's someone that knows the product. They know that Lego doesn't have an S in it. And they're serious about the price. And generally, you're buying from a collector. But when you type in Legos, you're going to be buying from soccer moms, uh, wives that are upset at their husbands that want to liquidate their collections. You're buying from a mom that wants to get rid of their college kids stuff. You're buying from all these different places that are the people that I hate to say this because it's a bad term, but ignorant people because they're uneducated in what they have. And that's typically how you'll find your best deals and stuff. I mean, it's like it's unreal. I think like one of my best pickups to date was. Uh, it was on Facebook Marketplace for five minutes. It was a two-hour drive each way for me. It was uh, 11 modular buildings, all complete, instructions, boxes, minifigures, everything, $300 for all of it. So uh, you know what I did? I jumped in my car and I said, here's a picture of the cash. I'm on my way right now. I met her at 1130 at night and I loaded my car up with all of it. So if it had 11 monitors, you're probably going back pretty far. Did you have like the Market Street and the Green Grocer and different things in there? The only thing I didn't have is Market Street and Corner Cafe, but I had everything else. It was the Green Grocer um, alone is worth like probably in used condition, probably a thousand dollars. Like like seven, like seven to a thousand dollars, depending on condition and you know who's willing to buy because the price is only uh, a price is only determined like artwork in what someone is willing to pay. Like you can, people can list something and be like, oh, like I'll sell this for a thousand dollars. But if no one buys it, it's not worth a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's, that's a bit. So those are the kinds of hauls that you can get when, you know, someone is selling something that they don't understand the value of. It's the Absolutely. same in any other market when you're selling used stuff, right? If you know more about mm -hmm. antiques than other person do, or, you know, I sold used books for a long time and there's a lot of people who didn't understand the value of used books. And They're amazing. Books and the, um, the thing that you just said there, I really want to just revisit and repeat and, you know, and pause for a second to appreciate mm -hmm. because I want everybody who's listening or watching this to reflect on this is that simply adding the S at the end of Lego Legos, it changes the entire dynamic of what you were searching for. Mm -hmm. It's like searching for a different keyword entirely. And it's the, the, 
the, the, the quality of the listings that you might see in terms of their sophistication around Lego significantly diminishes by adding one sin single letter to yep. your search. That is absolute gold. I just really want to appreciate that point because it sounds like a small thing that is actually a huge game changer. I would also say maybe searching, you know, if if the listing in the, the title of the listing on Facebook, they're not using capital letters, right? Because mm -hmm. big Lego fans will write Lego in caps, in all caps, Correct. without the S at the end. So if you see like, you know, a, a capital L and then the rest of it's not capitalized and then yeah. you have an S at the end, like these things are... That's a golden so, tip. So the other thing for sourcing that I realized too is like so many people are like, I need to find people to sell to me, right? But what they don't realize is why do you not reverse the tables? Like one of the things I did and I was really successful with is I went to college campuses and I printed out a piece of paper that said, hey, do you have old used Lego sitting in your house? Do you Are you looking for extra cash? And I made these signs and I put them into businesses like Starbucks. I put them into college campuses where I know these kids are like, oh, I want to go out and party. I want to go to like Cancun for spring break. I need like a thousand dollars. Cool. I'm your Lego guy. I'll come buy your Lego cash in hand. So you're changing the situation from I need to find it from them to bringing them to you. Or you can use those yard sale pages that I was talking about to say like, hey, I have $700 cash. I'm looking for used Lego collections. What do you have? You're no longer looking for the stuff. That stuff is now coming to you. And you can build a business around that. And again, this is just golden information, right? Because, and you're making me remember um, when I was selling, you know, used books, we scaled our used book business significantly. We had a 3,000 square foot warehouse selling, you know, by the truckload. So we would get truckloads yeah. of books that we, we would pay by the pound and they mm -hmm. would come in on pallets. We had a fork awesome. and all that sort of thing. During that journey, we had a mentor who, you know, we learned a lot from and his mentality around selling used books was so amazing. He basically said, you should be thinking about books as trash because everybody else sees them as trash. People are looking at ways mm -hmm. of getting rid of the books that are clogging up their house. They're trying to donate them to Goodwill for free. They're trying to give them away, recycle them, get rid of them. They see them as trash. So what you should do is become a service who will, you know, help them out with their trash. You'll remove yeah. the trash for them, right? You're going to help yeah, them. Yeah. You're going to, you know, become the person who's going to help remove this headache out of their life. I'll take your used books that you don't want uh, because they're trash and, you know, I'll, I'll free up that space for you. And so where everybody else was paying for used books to sell on Amazon, he was becoming a trash remover and he just had a whole different mindset. And, you know, again, it comes down to people not understanding the value of what they have. You do understand it, but also how you position the way you're going to help people to remove that trash from them. And so that's, you know, and he also did uh, dumpsters so he would have used book dumpsters outside a 711 or something That's like that so and then, smart yeah and people could go donate their books and different things um so i mean there's some things that uh, that you could take away from that you know to to apply to the world of lego but the concept of having uh, other people come to you which is what you mm -hmm. mentioned um there are so many infinite different ways you can do that he oh, did it with a dumpster a donation bin of books and you did it with Starbucks signs, which I think is absolutely brilliant. You can have people come to you. Uh, you could become, you know, the Lego guy and have people come to you. Another way I think of doing that could be, um, like, obviously the biggest way of doing that would be having a brick and mortar store where you take trade-ins and different things like that. Yeah. But also um, having a website where I, you know, you can go to my website and I buy Lego sets, submit what you have and different things like that. Hmm. Um, so many different countless ways. So it sounds like you primarily do used sets and you no, I do, I do sealed stuff too. So like it's, I, I just source sealed stuff different than you do. 
So I use a technique I like to call uptrading. I'm not familiar. I don't know if you're familiar with what I mean by that. So basically I'll go and buy like a U set, right? Like the Grand Parisian restaurant that I showed you. I know it has a $250 value, maybe 300 if I'm lucky to the right person, you know, depending on what, what someone wants to pay for it. I'll say, hey guys, I have this for trade. I'm looking for something in $300 value. And then I'll, I'll you know, trade it for something that's sealed. Like I have a good example right here, right? So I went to, um, you know, Atlanta Brick Company in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, oh, is that? So, yes, I've seen videos of the yeah. store, but I haven't. So they, are, they are opening a branch across the street from me called Orlando Brick Company. And so oh, I had a old 6399 monorail. It's one of the original airport shuttle monorail sets. And I, you know, was sitting on it for a long time. I think I paid $150 for it. It's around $1,000. I went to them and I got these vintage sealed. They're from what year is this? Uh, I think it's like 1990 for two of these, and I traded them. So now I have those two sealed sets that I put $100 into. So I feel like a lot of people sleep on that as a way of sourcing stuff, where it's like just because you have something and you're unable to sell it because $1,000 is a high price point for a lot of people to pay in any type of market. So you have to find stuff that you can uptrade and get a better value on over time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that. And then when you have the sealed sets, you're continuing to auction them using your same, you know, business model. You're not investing in them over long term or anything. No, I am actually. I do have like a, a storage space with like some sealed sets and stuff like that. I generally just go through you stuff until I find something that's a really good deal for sealed. And then I'll throw sealed in the closet and hold on to it. Or a lot of times with minifigures too, like um uh whatchamacallit. Um like the classic white Boba Fett polybank. I have probably like five of those that I've just accumulated for low cost over time and then just put them back there because I know at the end of the day, Lego goes up in value. So it's kind of a safe place to park your money because one, you don't have to pay capital gains tax on it year over year as it goes up. You only have to pay a tax on it as you sell it. So there is a lot of benefit in kind of lodging your money into it unless you're trying to stay more liquid, but it depends on your investment strategy with it. Yeah, but as you build your knowledge about e-commerce and selling, uh, the liquidity mm -hmm. generally doesn't need to be a problem because usually yeah. you'll find a buyer depending on what it is you're investing in, of course. 100%. Um, that's really, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. And in terms of your, so rounding out the big picture of your, of the auctioneer mm -hmm. business model for used sets, you source from, you know, local deals, Facebook marketplace, different things. Do you also use um, like Craigslist and different things like that? Or is that anything, cool? dude, offer up Macari, uh, eBay. I've even, there's a, there's a Canadian app that I've started using too, that a buddy of mine from Canada told me about. I don't remember what it's called. It's got a really weird name to it. Um, honestly, anything. I'll, I, I, I tell this story all the time, but um, back in the day when I was using Tinder a little more often, I actually, uh, you know, connected with a girl on Tinder, went over to her house. We were talking. She asked me about my business. I said, you know, I, I do Lego. I auction Lego. And at the end, she gave me a box of Lego to take. Home. Oh, my God. That is so, so it's weird. like you can really use any sort of sourcing. <laughs> to find your That's golden. That is golden. And do you only source locally? You mentioned the Canadian app. So does that mean that you also source online as well? Yeah, all over the place. Like I'll buy on whatnot. I'll buy on eBay. Like um, I, I don't know if you know about the Rex variant or uh, Commander Fox variant. So there's a Star Wars figure called Commander Fox, and there's two versions of them. And one recently came out and put on Bricklink. So typically, like between the the torso 
there's like gray semicircles. The one that's the variant has like a red stripe that's up and down the chest. Mm -hmm. The one that's regular is probably $125 minifigure. The one with the red line on it is about a thousand dollar minifigure. Wow. So I've been trying to source a bunch of those because in my personal opinion, they're so rare and so strange that I think that long-term they might outplay Cloud City Boba Fett. Right. Well, and so you're buying them at obviously pretty high prices with the expectation that the price will go up and up. So not, not always. The way I generally source stuff and the way I've always operated my business is I have to buy stuff at a low enough cost that I can sell it below BrickLink average, at least for my starting bid. Usually I start everything at a dollar and then I will uh, play on the margins between it. And to be honest, like if I'm buying something for $20, I need it to sell between 40 to $50 for it to be worth my time. So yeah. a lot of times I will find like 10 deals a day that will go down to two deals out of the two deals. I'll buy one. Like you probably have to spend 10 hours sourcing a day to find stuff to be successful doing it. And it's also building a market too. So like I have, I also do consignment stuff with people as well. So there are people that I work with that like, you know, they get copious amounts of Lego and they'll send it to me, whether it's parts and pieces, minifigures, minifigure parts, sets, anything in between. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's so many little elements to it. And, you know, I want to unpack a handful of these, but in mm -hmm. terms of um, the, I guess the, the selling side of the auction, right? So you yeah. have people, you've built a little community and whether this is in a Facebook group or it's on uh, whatnot or wherever it is, mm. who are now going to your live auction and you are on video and you're showing the items for sale. Yep. What is some of the technical aspects of, of the next, of, of what happens next, right? So people are bidding, uh, how easy is it to, for example, tie the person who won the auction back to their name and address and shipping and different so things that's, like that without that's having the to wonderful, it. wonderful thing about uh, whatnot versus the Facebook days, the dark days of Facebook is whatnot. As soon as you sign up for the app, you have to put in your shipping address and your payment method, whether that's PayPal or your bank account. So as soon as the item is done and the clock hits zero and the bid is final, that person gets charged immediately. Their address is already calculated and the whatnot app will generate the shipping label for you. So right. all you have to do is just package it, put bubble wrap, make sure it gets safely for the people that are spending, you know, whatever amount of money for you mm -hmm. and then ship it out to them. I mean, it's quite simple. I would say that there's actually a lot more prep work that goes into an auction than there is on the back end of actually shipping everything out. And the yeah. reason I say that is your success is determined by how organized and how efficiently you can run your show. So like if you're a mess, right, and you have like piles of stuff and you like can't find a figure someone's asking for, they're going to go to somebody else's stream and they're going to look for it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you have to get in essentially a feng shui of being able to like get stuff done really quickly. Like if I may, if you come back over here, you'll see like I have little stages with all the uh, all the figures organized and ready to go. So that way when someone's like, oh, like what Star Wars do you have? I could be like, oh, this, this, and this. Like, what are you looking for? And then I can grab it and go on to the next one. And I'll go for sometimes 16 to 18 hours at a time. The auction will go that long? Yeah, I can. I've, I've, I've had a friend, uh, shout out to Robert Maynard and whatnot, one of the best Lego uh, sellers on there. I think Robert's done a 52-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. And, like, wow. there's, there's, there's good money to be made on it and doing it, too. Like, I highly encourage people to do it. I say, if you haven't done it, try it. If Even if you're socially awkward, even if it's uncomfortable, the more you get in front of a microphone and the more you talk and the more like 
you figure everything out, the more fun you're going to have because your success is determined by how much fun your show is. If you're boring, swipe. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I realize we may not have, you know, fully, I guess, clarified on this, this app that we're talking about, whatnot. We have talked obviously about it. It's an, it's an auction app, but it really makes it easy by uh, allowing people to find your auction as well. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they're kind of navigating the site and it probably knows their interests and everything's just like a TikTok yeah. with the intention of they will enjoy their time on the app watching your stream, but also they're here to buy. They yeah, are buyers of their stuff. So it's a social media slash e-commerce platform, you know, combined. Yeah, very much. And so. so in that way, I, I imagine there's a little more impulse buying that happens, right? Because oh my god, Amazon, oh my god. You know? Yeah, I've had people that'll be like oh, I came in your show just to watch and oh my God, I spent $250 like yeah. watching because like they just get so into it, right? Like yeah. you might have something like someone wants to buy the Parisian restaurant, right? And then there's two people going back and forth being against each other. And then almost out of spite, if the person who won wants something else, that person who lost the set they're going to want is probably going to like bid you up a little bit or like try to like take it from you. Like, and there's there's playful ways to do it. It's not like aggressive, but it's like really interesting to watch too. Like there are people that'll just come in your show and they'll just absolutely dominate on everything. One, because they're a bigger buyer than other people, or like they've been searching for that for so long that they, this is the first time that they've been able to find it. So like, there's a lot of different factors that go into why people bid and, and the impulse part of it. And do you think that the selling price typically ends up being lower or higher than a buy-in new condition price on like eBay? So, so here's the thing too. It really depends. Like there's auctioneers that are like, hype boys so to speak where like they'll be like oh my god bid it up bid it up like it goes for this but it's like again like you have to start something with the assumption that if nobody else bids except for your opening bid that that figure will go at that value and you need to be okay with that so like i think that most things go uh towards bricklink average if not a little bit more i mean you're also paying like a 12.9 or 13 percent uh commission fee back to the site so you are going to lose money just like you would on like Amazon and stuff like that. But as long as you're factoring that into what you're selling and you do a good job, it, it won't make a huge difference to you. Yeah. Yeah. And can you talk me through a little bit of your prep? Because you mentioned that some of the prep yeah. for the auctions is some of the hardest part. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's obviously the side of running a show that's enjoyable for people, but yeah. also the side of understanding what it is that you have, right? Because 100%. you're in the inventory. So how do you, you know, what's that process like of understanding your inventory so that you can mm -hmm. talk about it in an educated way? Yeah, absolutely. Items. So I've been blessed enough and in the game long enough that I have most of the information, like, I don't know if you know about the website uh, Brickignize or Brickmonkey. No, actually, no. So they are essentially websites where, say you buy like a big box of stuff, right? And it's all mixed together and you have no idea what it is. But you're pulling out a few minifigures here or there and you don't really recognize them. You can go on this website, similar to Google Lens, type it, uh, take a picture of it. It'll go into the database and it'll pull up every listing on Bricklink associated with it. And that way you can like piece it back together. It'll give you the value right there and you can figure all that out. So typically like the prep work for me is I get a box from a buyer, from a seller, and it's 25 pounds of Lego between parts, minifigures, and everything. I go through, spread everything out, sort it all out into themes, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Dijago, Chima, Pirates, Castle, all that. And then it'll probably take me about seven to eight hours to put them all in stages, make them look nice, do a preview video to put on not only to the app, but also to my social media followers so they know what's going on with it. 
So like, it really comes down to like having everything, knowing where everything is. Like you can either do it in chaos or you can do it organized. And when you're organized, the flow of your show is much better. And the reality is your profitability in your show is probably significantly higher as well. Right, right. And so I imagine for, you know, mini figures or, you know, let's say larger parts such as dinosaur molds and different things yeah. like that. It's not that difficult. You can quickly use one of those apps to quickly check bricklink prices and, and you know, sell them Absolutely. as is. But yeah. how do you address things like, um, you know, just sets that are partially completed and different things? Do you yeah. build them as far as you can go and then sell them incomplete? So I will basically build everything that I buy. I will buy it pretty much built. I'll take it apart. I'll wash it. I will rebuild all of it. I will go through everything, make any notes onto the sets that I know of. And then um, either I have a large part, uh, excuse me, I have a large parts collection that I can pull from. I also work with a lot of Brickling sellers that if I really do need parts and they're really expensive to make the set worth it for somebody, I will go out and buy those. I also tell people too, especially repeat buyers, you know, I'm human. I do make mistakes. I do use stuff. But if for any reason there's ever a problem with anything you have, you can reach out to me on any of my social media accounts. I'm always here. And I will take care of it for them, whether it's like buying a new motor component for it. If you're unhappy with like a scratch on a piece or something, just reach out and let me know. If you want like a whole brand new set, I'd rather be like, just ship it back to me and I'll refund you. Yeah. But for the most part, like people know who have bought from me over the years have never had problems with the stuff that they bought. Yeah. Okay. So, and again, Jory, you're, you're dropping so much you know, really kind of interesting knowledge or information in, you know, just a couple sentences. So I want to make sure that we catch two things that you just said. One yeah. of them is this customer service is so important with e-commerce, with selling. Again, there's a trust element. People are afraid of buying online. You need to put them at ease as much as possible. And yeah. Amazon and eBay do that naturally because they're protected by Amazon and eBay. Correct. When they're buying from someone in a stream, especially if it's off of whatnot, if it's on a Facebook group, yeah. uh, they don't, they're not going to feel as protected. So it, it it's the way that you come across as being trustworthy and as you can reach me on social so that they know that they have a step-by-step -step avenue of getting taken care of if there's something wrong is going to be important for your sales. And if you say those kind of things up front, then the people who are there on your stream are going to be more yeah. inclined to buy from you because you are reversing the risk, right? You're removing the, any chance that something's going to go wrong for them. So that is a super important uh, tip that you just shared there. Um, now, oh, I'm trying to remember what was this, the first one. So you you said something else before that that I uh, that I really wanted to pick up on. Um, I was talking about the customer service aspect that I'll take care of anything for anybody. I was also talking about um, you were asking me about what happens if like there is something like eBay and Facebook are are well eBay's protected, but like a Facebook group, there's no accountability for it. So two things, if I ever do business with someone on Facebook and even in my group on Facebook, I, I have it pinned as the top post saying, if uh, the only the only payment method allowed in this group is PayPal goods and services, yeah, um, because that offers buyer and seller protection. So God forbid there is something that goes wrong with the deal. You know, you can contact them and they're very good about getting money back. Um, and then with whatnot, it's actually pretty phenomenal. Their customer service is pretty much unmatched. Um, like I had a buddy that I've bought a lot of stuff from, uh, in California, you know, he shipped me something, the post office lost it. I reached out to him to let him know. I was like, Hey, like, you know, I, I still love you. There's no problem with it. Um, you know, if you could contact whatnot on your end, I'll contact them on my end within like 20 minutes. I had a full refund for the set. Yeah. He was taking yeah. care of on his, I was taking care of on mine. 
it's pretty much unmatched in the way that like if there's ever a problem they will automatically take care of it for you i mean i think they're close to like a three billion dollar company now so they've yeah. come a long way in the last like three years of operation and they're really trying to approach it the way amazon have in terms of the way you grow with a, a platform like this is by yeah. making sure no one has a bad experience exactly the, i remember the other thing i wanted to ask you about which you mentioned was that way that you built relationships with bricklink sellers and you've built a yeah. part collection so that you can complete sets because again mm -hmm. i think that's a really important nugget of information for those who are going to run an auction or sell you know use sets on ebay or sell anywhere really yeah that the values that you can get for the set is going to be significantly more if you complete the set right 100%. so if you can figure out a way to get those last few parts at a very cost efficient way then you'll you'll see dramatic increases, especially if you can build a system for doing that, like you have with, with BrickLink sellers. I think the other, the other component to that too, is that like, sometimes people want things immediately, right? Like people are in such a rush to buy things. Like, I don't know if you know much about like the stuff that's going on with the Mexico factory, the Lego factory in Mexico. Not sure. Well, like this would be interesting for your aspect of the business since you do use stuff. So there's been a lot of people on whatnot that'll get access to pre-release stuff before it comes onto the marketplace. Okay. So like the Ahsoka T6 shuttle that's coming out, I think you talked about it in one of your videos. Mm -hmm. People are already selling the figures out of those sets before the sets are even on shelves. So what's going to happen in my personal opinion is that a lot of the newer box sets long-term might not have as much value because people are uh, saturating the market with the things that people want most, which are the minifigures out of the sets. So you have to be very careful on what you source and how you source it because, um, you know, like, like the reason that like the old rebels Ahsoka and like the combat frigate set is extremely expensive is one, because like nobody wanted when it was out, it's super hard to find and nobody has them anymore. So it's like, if things are saturated on the market and there's easy access to it, there's going to be a bajillion people selling the same thing. So it's yeah. like, how do you distinguish yourself within that realm of being profitable and selling it? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess how do you, um, because, because something you said earlier is that, you know, people will be buying you, like your part of the product that you're offering people and you mm -hmm. and whatnot and auctions give you an element of bringing a personal, uh, personal slant to your sales. And so then even if something is uh, becoming a little saturated or, you know, is harder to sell on eBay because you, you know, the price that the market is selling at is not where yeah. you're going to be profitable. If you're selling at auction, you do have an opportunity to actually, uh, you know, sell for a little bit higher if you want to actually bring some of your own personality to your stream, yeah. build those connections and different things. Um, it's really fascinating. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about is it seems to me like selling used Lego is an area that needs a lot of information or knowledge, right? It's something that you do need to know what you're doing. It's not something that you're going to be super successful in immediately right because you need to know the value of things we talked about some examples mm -hmm. of that but what are some ways that you think someone could actually brush up their knowledge what are some ways that you've kept up to, to date yeah. on different things so um, like one of the things i would do that i was talking about earlier is like when i would go and look at bulk deals on facebook and i would look at the boxes and pictures and i would like try to figure out based on what i see in the box and try to associate that under the parts list on brickling to gain my knowledge. I also have a lot of knowledge because I've built so many sets. I think the more things you've built, your muscle memory and your memory 
will hold on to it to where you're like, oh my gosh, I remember building that part of the treehouse when you see like a partial part of it in a box or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it comes down to the experience and the time that you put into it. I mean, to be honest with the used stuff, it's really hard when you first start because you're going to lose a lot of money. Like I was wildly unsuccessful when I first started my Lego business. It wasn't until years later that I really understood and really took time into what I was doing that it was profitable. So like it may sound great and it may sound really fun, but no business is built without working really, really, really hard to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, understanding that it does take time and it's one of the hardest parts that it does take time to see your success. Um, you know, with this one, like I could see sourcing, just simply buying your inventory, mm -hmm. you need to have enough information or knowledge about how much you can pay for something, right? Because Correct. when we look Correct. at a deal, you you know that this number, the numbers need to work for you. And you know, you need to know kind of what you expect to be able to sell the stuff for. So you know how much you can pay for it. The other part of it too, is like people are often afraid when it comes to negotiating on Lego deals. Like if someone posts something for $300, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, like this deal is 300. Like I had a buddy on whatnot, a guy named Bainsky reached out to me on Instagram and he was like, oh man, like I'm getting into selling. I found like this awesome Lord of the Rings deal. It's like $400. It's an hour drive. And I said, you know what, dude, like it's $400, but if you can get it at 200, sub $200, anything around 200 or less at like $5 a figure, you're super profitable on that. So like, if you can get that and he was like, oh, I don't know, like the person might back out of the deal. And I was like, why don't you just ask them? If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And I'm getting it at $200 and most of those figures are between 10 to $30 a piece. So it's like, it was a great deal for him. But again, he, he didn't have the muscle or the experience to negotiate a little bit on it. You know, like if someone's listing something, the intention is to sell it. Like they're not, they want the money more than they want the item. And you can use that to your benefit. The other trick that I have learned in sourcing too, and this is kind of crazy. I don't know why I did this, but like, Sometimes people are like on the fence about whether they want to sell something to you, like actually go through with the deal. So get a picture of the cash in your hand and send them a picture of the cash. It not only proves that you're a serious buyer, but that like you're ready to go right there. And oftentimes it'll be the the push comes to shove to make the deal happen for you. Amazing. Yeah. What you just said there about um, about negotiation, I, I really think it's going to be so important if anybody's listens to this who gets excited about the idea of, of buying used Lego, you know, mm -hmm. even if you don't want to do the auction method of sale, even if you want to sell on eBay or BrickLink, but you want yeah. to buy used Lego in bulk from local deals, uh, the negotiation aspect can be a big hindrance for some people because your numbers are everything, right? If you, yeah. if you cannot be profitable at a certain number, you got to be very careful not to buy it for a number that doesn't work for you and very stern when you're negotiating because at the end of the day, some people who are not used to nego negotiating could get caught up in the heat at the moment and could overpay for inventory if you oh, are a buyer. You so you might find yourself in a buyer's house looking at a collection and that buyer asks for money for a, an amount that is just doesn't work for you financially, but you yeah. get caught up in the heat of the moment and you don't want to say no and different things. And that's an area that could, you know, be extremely detrimental. So you got to know your numbers and you got to be very specific about what works for you. I mean, also just like walk away from a deal. Like there's been plenty of times where I've driven an hour and a half each way, got to a person's house and they were like, we agreed on 200 and I get there and they're like 350. And I'm like, all right, like, see you. Like I'll just walk away and leave. You know, like obviously it sucks because sometimes it can be a waste of time, 
But the reality is, is like you don't until it's in your hand and the deal's been done, it's not a real deal. Yeah. You gotta be careful with it. Yeah. And you just mentioned there, you know, that it, it sometimes it could be a waste of time if the deal doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. How do you think about the value of your time when it comes to some of these things? Because yeah. sourcing used bulk lots, like you mentioned, it can take a long time to source single deals and different things. So how do you value that? Yeah. So I, I don't really go by like an hourly rate, to be honest. I look at it more of like, I'm going to be doing the work anyways. So I'm just looking at the margins I'm making like that, that deal where I was telling you about the, I think it was like 12 or 13 modulars that I picked up. Some of them were repeats um, for $300. I was like, even if I spent a week doing this, I think I sold it for like six to $7,000 at Megacon for all of the modulars. So it's like, it, it, I didn't care if I put in 20, 30 hours into building or whatever, whatnot, you know, it was like, it was the fact of like, you know, I've, I've now gone from $300 to several thousand dollars. Now I have more access to do more things. So it's really at the end of the day, it's about what your bottom line is and what you have to play around with. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Um, before we move away from the kind of you know, the, the auction, um, structure that you're using to sell, I want to learn a little more about the typical day in the life, right? A little bit more about what a week looks like for, you know, a used Lego auctioneer. Um, so you spend a lot of time sourcing. Do you have your auctions at specific days? What's the buildup like? And then, you know, how do the days of the week typically land for you? So like, you know, I'm a bit of a night owl. So I stay up to like three or four in the morning. I'm like looking on Facebook. I'm like, you know, hanging out, doing what I want to do um i often will wake up in the morning take a shower have a normal you know morning routine like everybody else and then i'll immediately start looking on facebook marketplace and seeing where i'm going for the day like i think i keep like a close to like a 300 mile radius on my app to look for deals i'll move it around into other states i'll put it all over the place um so you know that kind of determines and then once i pick up a collection i'll come home dump everything out on the floor, go through it, figure out what I have. Sometimes it's like a few minifigures to put away. Sometimes, you know, I'll sort all the bulk. Typically what I do when I like pick up a used collection is I will sort everything out, build as much as I can, take out the important stuff, and then I'll sort everything else down by color and put it into boxes that associate with the color. So that way I have backup pieces. And then when I have time or I feel like it, I'll organize that down into parts and pieces more specific to what makes sense for me. Um, as far as like the auctions, I mean, like today, like I had just gotten back from Chicago last night, I decided, Hey, I have a bunch of stuff sitting in my kitchen. Let's just run an auction. And I just popped on there, hit the start show button and went for it. I mean, other shows, if I have like, you know, say five, 600 minifigures at a time to run through, I'll schedule that, you know, cause that's going to be like a 10 to 15 hour time slot. So like, I'm going to want to know like when I'm running and when I have time, as far as like packaging everything, I mean, I could I could show you that right now. There's after the show is all of my boxes done and everything with all the packages. So sort everything out, get some packing supplies, throw it into boxes, print out my labels, and that's it. I mean, it's it's very convenient because I'm able to operate the business on my own time without having to have a set schedule. You know, like I don't have to show up here at 9 a.m. I don't have to go here. Like it's it's nice. You know, I consider it freedom. Yes. I love that word. That's, that's why we do it. Right. That's why we, you know, if you're working on a business, there's some sort of freedom in your mind. It's like financial freedom or time freedom. Um, the it's, um, it's, there's something about being able to, to work around, you know, your schedule around whatever way it works for you. That Mm -hmm. is just so attractive. 
And I wanted to learn a little more about the space because you're showing us some of your space there that you're, you're working in and different things. And oh, yeah. what is needed to run an auction in terms of, you know, and, and buy used bull, like Lego and mm -hmm. bull things in terms of uh, space, because some people may not feel like they have enough space in their house yeah. and things to take lots in, go through it, build a set, run auctions. Uh, what's kind of, what's your space like and how much do you think yeah. is really required? So I don't really personally think it takes a lot of space. I think like, you know, you just have to be organized in whatever space you have to work with. But like, this is basically my kitchen and living room area. So like, I have a table back over here that I keep all my figures on. Uh, this table that's behind me that you can see into my kitchen has all of my like parts and pieces. So I'm, I'm kind of taking out a little tour. But like, this is like a bit of an organized chaos. So like, you know, you have like sealed bags of sealed parts. You have a ton of different minifigure accessories. I mean. And I use my whole kitchen. It's literally like my mom will come over and be like, Jory, like you don't even have a house. You just like live in Lego. And I'm like, you know what? Like once it's sold, it's packaged up and gone. Like I have my space. I actually just started buying a, uh, a storage unit for myself to put a lot of stuff into so I can kind of separate it a little bit. But, um, you know, like I don't I think you need like obviously you need like electrical hookups and you need Internet and then you just need a table. And that's about it. Like anybody. You don't have to go and get an office space. You don't have to spend a lot of money on your startup. Like I have a acrylic stand. I have a rotating disc for display and I have uh, my phone with a camera holder. And that's about as sophisticated as it gets. I mean, eventually maybe I'll switch over and do like OBS and I'll do all the fancy streaming stuff. But to be honest, I don't think it makes a huge difference in my business because people come and show up for the way I treat them and the way I handle my customers and the fun that we have, you know, I think that's the, that's the more important part is like how, how you cultivate your community and how you take care of people is how people are going to take care of you. Like I tell people all the time, my auctions, like, listen, I started where all of you are when I was brand new in the space and I made a lot of mistakes, but the advantage that you have is I've made those mistakes for you. And I can tell you what works and what doesn't work. And if you're interested, you can reach me on any of my socials or, you know, I'll even give you my personal phone number and we can have a two, three hour conversation on the phone. And people really like that because they feel a personal connection with it. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned there that you don't have a big fancy camera set up. And that's mm -hmm. something that I think some people might be put off by about the idea of selling with auction. They may be thinking... I'd rather sell on Amazon where I don't have to interface with customers and I don't have to go on camera right. and yeah. I don't have to invest in expensive camera gear and different things. But what you're saying here is you could use your phone. You can use a simple setup. Uh, the yeah. app makes it very, very easy. You don't need to have all of this crazy gear. And the app also makes it easy on the building, building the connections and community side, I, I expect. Yeah. As well, right. So you don't like, really need to be out there trying to grow an Instagram to be successful with this. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely helps for sure to have like more resources, like, you know, the, the more the merrier, as they say. But the reality is, is, um, you know, like you can you can do a little like gimmicky stuff on the app. Like they have like free giveaways or like buyer appreciation giveaway. Like before I left for my trip, I ran that 16 hour auction. I did very well for myself. And then I decided I'm going to take a P2 Rex and I'm just going to give it away to people or I'm going to give a Darth Malgus figure. It's like three to four hundred dollars in figures just to my community because they bless me. So now I feel an obligation that I want to bless them back. And yeah. some people will use that to boost their analytics, you know, gather more followers, get more sold and stuff like that. But to me, like the numbers don't matter. 
what matters is like the people that come back to you because you've treated them right. Like, and I'm sure that you on your own business on Amazon probably get a ton of people. They get their, they get their sealed sets. They're in beautiful condition, just like they were described. They're super happy with it. They want to add more to their collection. Who are they going to go to? They're going to go to, they're going to go to you to take care of them because they know and have trust in you. Yeah. I think certain, certain selling platforms is more important than other to have some sort of branding. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say BrickLink is huge for branding, right? It's huge 100%. for uh, the experience that the customer gets. It's important. If your packaging is nice, the experience is great. Your return policies and everything works on BrickLink. You're going to get return buyers all day long. Amazon's a little less. So you will get some, but there's more of a, I call it buy box culture on Amazon where people just yeah. go click the buy box or, you know, yeah. whoever's going to sell to them, they'll take it. Uh, but what you're doing is the ultimate that, you know, the, uh, on the spectrum of from Amazon to BrickLink, you know, auctions is even further down that path of people going to come back to you. People are going to build a relationship you should, with you, uh, you, you to know you. You should try to open a whatnot account. Try to run it yeah. off. This conversation has made me curious about it. I'm not going to lie. You. You can, so you can do something on the app called co-hosting like we're doing right now. Yeah. So one of us will be on the top of the screen. One of us will be on the bottom. You know, I can help you with any questions and mod it for you or any of that stuff. And like, to be honest, you might really enjoy it. It's also like a faster way to move inventory. Like, I don't know how quickly your turnaround is from listing to um, somebody buying your product on Amazon. But like the thing that I like about whatnot is the um, is the quickness of it. Like people are literally, they have 20 seconds to make a decision. So in that case, when you were talking about impulse building, bidding, uh, bidding, yeah, absolutely. Like you can do it anywhere from five minutes down to five seconds for the bid. Right. So like you can kind of not force people's hands, but you can play with their urgency to buy or not, which is really yeah. interesting. And what's the appetite like there for sealed retired sets? They love it. Now? Yeah. They love it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've seen people that'll go on and they have like um, Amazon pallets where they have like return stuff or like a bunch of sealed stuff and they'll sell almost everything. Wow. Okay. Maybe I should be looking into whatnot. This is interesting. And I think it'd be an interesting series of videos to make as well for, for yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating. And, um, uh, you know, I guess before we close out, I definitely want to learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, some of the things that you wish you could have told yourself back in the beginning, right? So oh when you were moving down the path of selling Lego in general, do you, firstly, do you wish that you've discovered video auctions a lot sooner before you did things like flea markets and conventions oh, and different oh things? Oh my God, yes. The amount of inventory that I sold and had at flea markets, like the types of quality of things, I would not be, I would not be working anymore with what I sold in the past. Like, I mean, just like it, it was unreal. Like, I think I ha I've had like five or six Cloud City Boba Fets. Um, one of the sets that I got from the flea market, actually, uh, someone came in with the original Cloud City set and they were like, oh, like, I'm looking to sell this. And I was like, OK, how much? And I was thinking, like, you're going to ask like $900 for it. They're like, oh, $50. And I was like, OK, here's the cash, like done deal. So it's like having having the knowledge that I have now, if I could go in the past, absolutely. Like a lot of it came down to like, I sold things that I didn't truly know the value of because I didn't take the time and do the due diligence to do the research. Like, I think that one thing I learned from you, you said you did like alternative investments. I don't know if you ever mess with anything in crypto by any means. A little bit. But like one of the terms that they often use in crypto investing is do your own research. And I feel like that is super valuable to anyone that's getting into whether sealed or used Lego stuff 
is like I see in your videos all the time, you break down the cost of the set, you break down, you know, your, um, your cost, what it sold for the, um, uh, fees you had to pay. And then what you walk away with and the amount that you do it in. And it's really awesome because like not many people on the internet specifically in this niche are doing that and able to educate people. And I feel like one of the things that I love about the Lego community is people are really uh, receptive to learning from other people. Like there's no, like, there's no like animosity or hostility hostilities between people in the industry. Like I know very few people that would consider the Lego community to be a toxic place. Unlike other places that I've sold in like video games. I'm sure you've seen your fair share when you did comic books and stuff like that as well. And I, I fully agree. The Lego community is incredible, you know, and even the investing community and the resale community, um it's just you know even hanging out in the youtube comments on some videos of brick linkers that are vlogging their day in the life and everything's like it's it's such a pleasant place to be because everybody's sharing with each other everybody's kind of contributing um it's fantastic and in terms of that community how important do you think it has been for your success over time because you've mentioned you've built relationships with brick linkers you've Mm -hmm. got to know people over time in the communities um you know, you've been you've been a vendor at conventions and different things. So it's obviously uh, your network that you have today was built up over a long period of time of years. different things. Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is to focus on networking if you want to be successful as a Lego seller? I, I personally think it's the number one thing, to be honest. I think your net worth is determined by uh, your network, as the cliche saying goes. But it's so true. Like, I have good connections with the owners and managers of Orlando Brick Company that's opening down the street. Like they're obviously going to be a competitor to me because we're in the same market. They have a retail space. I have an online space. But at the same time, like I want to cultivate a relationship with them. All of the toy shops that are local to me, I go in there all the time. And like, you know, if I go to yard sale and I buy toys, I bring it to them and I say, hey, you know, I know this is more of your stuff. I paid $100 for it. Just give me my money back. I want to support you. And then when they get Lego collections, they do the same thing for me. As far as online and Facebook, like I have a running list of things that people are looking for all the time. And the fact that I find stuff all the time, I can find it for them. And then, you know, vice versa. Like if they come across stuff, they'll send it to me. Like, for example, I had a a good friend, um, Luke, that lives in Tennessee. Luke is very into Star Wars. Luke doesn't do anything outside of Star Wars. But he found a bunch of like old Orient Express, Pharaoh's Quest, Adventures, 80s, 90s, vintage stuff that I love. He said, hey, you know, there's this local lady here. This is the price she's asking, but she's willing to go down to this. Would you like the contact information? Absolutely. I bought the collection. I sold it. I did really well. I reached back out to Luke and I said, hey, man, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate what you did for me. Here's a couple hundred bucks back to you to reciprocate. And then you build relationships that way. So people will scratch your back and you scratch their back. I mean, I'm sure you have the same thing with people that you buy sets from or store managers or wherever you're sourcing stuff from as well. That so yeah, and it takes us. It takes a little bit more experience and business savviness to do what you just did, which is actually give up some of your profit in the name of a future uh, return that you may get yeah. because you've built a great relationship. Or just like, re- sorry, go ahead. Yeah, give without expectation though too. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like Gary Gary Vaynerchuk said it. He's like you know, like give 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 a hundred times and then. You know, when the right time comes around, you can ask or like someone will just think of you and be like, man, that guy, that guy, Shane, he did he did such good things for me. I want to give back something to him, too. You know, so it's like it always comes around full circle, you know, and you'll it'll increase your enjoyment of the business. And there's something Mm -hmm. about 
you know, how much you enjoy this journey that you're on with selling Lego, whether it is used Lego or BrickLink parts or sealed investments, like we talk about on my channel. There, you got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy the journey. And if you are building this relationship uh, or relationships with people in the game, you're going to enjoy it more. You're going to build friendships. You're going to build memories, and it's worth it. So yeah. it just really enhances it. Um. So Jory, the did you want to say something there? Yeah, I did real quick. So like. Yeah, I, I, uh, so like I have been searching for Stranger Things for so long, the Upside Down House. Mm -hmm. Love that set. I loved your video about it because like all these people are like, oh man, I want to buy this new Star Wars stuff, this other stuff. What they don't realize too, as part of the investment is like as cool and as popular as it is, it also comes down to like what's happening in the macro world, right? Like Stranger Things. It's the only set they ever produced. It was a good price for the set they made and the show is super successful and it's going to the show's going to retire in one year from now when they do the final season that set is only going to increase in value over time because it's very niche and and just interesting like a lot of people um i don't know i was just like going off on tangent but i i love that video that you made about that all minifigures in that set are unique and yeah, likely will awesome. never exist in another set never yeah it's it's fascinating um, so before we close out, I know I said this already, but before this time for real, before we close out, my last question for you, Jory, is really if somebody is listening to this and thinks I this is what I want to do, I want to mm -hmm. source bulk used sets or used Lego Lego in bulk, I want to sell it by auction, or even they just want to do one part of that or the other, they can sell yeah. steel sets in auction, or they can buy bulk Lego and sell it on eBay. But if they're listening to your business model and they think, I want to take some of this and run with it, what are some tips that you would share? What are some watchouts or challenges that you would maybe just say, these are some things that you should do if you want to be successful? Yeah, I would say, you know, first off, you should focus on just learning the Lego game before you do anything. Um, anybody can go out and buy a box of Lego and try to sell it, but it's those that are educated and have the knowledge and how to do so. Like find yourself, I think what changed for me was like find yourself a mentor. Find someone that's like doing something that you want to do and reach out to them and, and do a couple things. Say, hey, like I want to learn for you from you. What can I do to help you for you to be able to teach me how to do this? And a lot of times, like anyone that's successful will never will never trash on someone doing less than them because they know what it's like to come from having nothing and, and building up what they have now. Um I would also say focus on growing your community, right? Like, like make posts and then interact with the people that you're talking to. Like the reason that the reason that Shane and I connected on this video today was because like I've been following him for a while and I really like his content. And then he made a post saying, Hey, I'm having this, you know, YouTube video that I'm looking for people to talk to. And I was like, I would love to talk to this dude. This guy's awesome. And so, you know, I just, I reached out to him and he was super nice and super awesome and was like, love to have you on the show. And, and here we are now. So, you know, it just comes down to uh, having having fun, I think, is my most important thing. If you're not having fun in what you're doing, you're not going to do it for very long. Yeah, love it. Incredible tips, incredible discussion. Jory, this was, you know, I've done a lot of really interesting conversations, but this one took so many really, really interesting turns. And I think some of the knowledge that you've dropped here, I really hope that people who are going out there and doing this will listen to this five times because there's some really important things that you've been talking about here so i really appreciate your time thank you for being here yeah. and thank you for sharing your journny i'll thank definitely you. be watching from the sidelines now to see 
where you take your business going forward. I'm going to tune into one of your auctions as well to see exactly how this thing flows. Yeah, for sure. I'd love, well. I'd love to have you there, man. I would, I would love It'd be a lot of fun. You're going to be like, what is happening? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> love it. All right, Jory. Thank you so much. Uh, good to meet you. Good to connect. Yeah, thank you for sharing pleasure. your time and we'll catch up soon. Yeah. Have a wonderful day, my friend. Thanks man. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating. It really does help us to bring you amazing content. And if you want to learn more about building an income with Lego, check out BrickBucks.net or find us on YouTube at BrickBucks to learn about Lego investing.